um, the scripture I'm reading today is from Hebrews 12, 18 through 29. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words may the hearers beg that no further message be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks of a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Not in the mic. There it is. There it is. There it is. What's going on, family? It is always good to see y'all. Can I tell y'all something? It is so wonderful to be in the house of the Lord. You know why I think that? It only took me preaching from my dining room table over Zoom a few times for me to be very thankful to be up here without the preacher pie, preaching the word of God and to see the people of God. It is wonderful to see you all this morning. My name is Jalen Baker. I have the distinct pleasure and privilege of serving as the pastor or resident here at Jacobs Well. And again, I just love being here. I love seeing y'all's faces, and I can't wait to dive in this morning. Thank you to Miss Patty for reading our word. And this morning in our exchange, I want to tag this text, don't climb the wrong mountain. Don't climb the wrong mountain. This morning, the author of Hebrews presents us with a vivid picture of two mountains. The first mountain is, that's described in 18 through 21 
is a mountain that comes off as very terrifying, right? And this mountain is known as Mount Sinai. You remember in the book of Exodus, after God delivered the people of Israel out of Egypt, they enter into the desert of Sinai. And as they are traveling this desert, they come to a mountain called Sinai, the, mount, the mountain of Sinai. And when they get to this mountain church, they encounter God in a very interesting way, right? God delivers the law of God to them. He delivers the Ten Commandments to them. And, and when he is delivering this law to them, he's doing it through Moses, the mediator and the intervener of the Old Covenant. And this experience is a terrifying experience. They are deeply, deeply, deeply fearful of what God is doing on this mountain. And it's interesting because the author of Hebrews juxtaposes their encounter at Sinai with the New Covenant believers' encounter with Mount Zion. And we see here at Mount Zion, we can enter into the presence of God boldly and gracefully. And there is no fear and there is no terror in how we're experiencing God. Now, it's important to point out this real quick. The two mountains that are presented to us this morning represent the old covenant and the new covenant something that we've been talking about throughout this series, this Hebrew series, the old and the new. And when we look at Mount Sinai, what this really conveys to us, church, is that we are not meant to climb this specific mountain. Tony Evans puts it this way. The law of God, we will not find any comfort or salvation in the law or in the Ten Commandments. Why? Because we cannot live up to live up to following it fully, right? We, 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 we have an inability, church, to follow it, to follow it fully. And, and in essence, we can't climb this mountain and reach its peak. So Tony Evans says, this is not our mountain to climb, but the good news is there is a Mount Zion. And it is at Mount Zion, church, where we get to experience Jesus the Christ. It is at Mount Zion where Jesus inaugurates this new covenant. And because we are now at Mount Zion, we are now made perfect. We are made holy and righteous through the person of Jesus Christ. Don't climb Mount Sinai. Climb Mount Zion. Now, here's the thing. What I love about this new covenant, the glory of the new covenant for me, is that God recognizes that we can't follow the law. He recognizes our inability and our weakness to live up to the law. So what does he do? He says that I'm going to come down the mountain and climb it for you, right? Because of your inability to climb the mountain, I'm going to come down in the person of Jesus Christ and make the climb for you. That is the glory of the gospel, the glory of the new covenant. And I want to pause here parenthetically, and I want to dive deeper into this two-mountain paradigm that the, that the author of Hebrews 
offers to us, right? Because if we're honest with ourselves, every single day we wake up, we have a choice to make. Are we going to climb the mountain of God or are we going to climb the mountain of self? Because the, if we're honest with ourselves daily, we have to choose God and choose Jesus over ourselves. Which mountain are we going to climb? And at this mountain of God, we see Jesus standing in front of it. And Jesus stands in front of this mountain saying, come unto me. Come to me and let us climb this mountain of God. This mountain of God where everything you could possibly want, everything you can possibly need, we will get when I take you to the top. If you only follow me, everything you need, your vocational needs, your, you, like you, you, when you, if you want to be a better husband, a better father, a better mother, a better wife, a better daughter, a better friend, everything you could possibly want, everything you're searching after is with me. So come with me and climb this mountain with me, but... You have to do everything on my terms. I call the shots. Your obedience is required on this mountain that we're climbing. And we look at Jesus and say, that sounds really cool, Lord. But at the corner of our eye, we see this other mountain. And on this other mountain, it's like, you know, I can call the shots over here. I can do what I want over here. I actually have control over everything over here. So I'm going to climb this mountain rather than go with Jesus. And if we're honest with ourselves, that temptation compels us to go over there rather than going with Jesus. And, and, and we have to realize that this is a daily, daily fight. This battle that we have brewing within us is not a one and only thing. We have to do this daily mountain of self or mountain of God. And what I love about Jesus is this. When we choose to climb this mountain of self, we're climbing, trying to get, chasing after our dreams, chasing after our desires, chasing after our wants. And you know what Jesus does? He walks over to this mountain of self. And he looks up at us. And he says, how's it going up there? And we're like, Lord, you know, every time I seem, feel like I'm getting close, the top gets further. And I'm really, really tired, actually. Like, I keep climbing, I keep climbing, and, and I feel like I'm almost there. But just when I think I'm about to reach the top, somehow I fall down. I fail at something. I mess up. I make a mistake. And now I'm back here at the bottom again. And we keep climbing. And Jesus is looking up saying, you know, you're looking for the right way. I'm the right way. You're looking for the life you ought to be living. I'm the life you ought to be living. You're looking for the truth. You're searching for the truth. 
I am that truth you so desperately searching for. Please, child, come down the mountain and come with me. And we still ignore, ignore, ignore until we fall. But the love of Jesus is so great is that he catches us when we fall, places us on solid ground and says, are you ready now? Are you ready to come over and follow me? And when we make that choice to come and follow Jesus, Jesus looked at us and said, you know, daughter, son, you look so tired. Are you tired? And we say, yeah, Lord. I've been climbing the mountain of self, and I'm wore out. I'm worn down. You know what Jesus said? He said, you know what? Hop on my back. Hop on my back. I will take it from here. All Jesus demands is a yes. But see, as much as I love preaching, all Jesus wants is a yes. Church, I know how hard it is to say yes especially daily. And that's what we have to always understand, that this is a daily question we have to grapple with. Will you choose Jesus? What mountain will you climb, mountain of self or mountain of God? And as I was thinking about this, there is one fundamental truth that can compel us to make the right choice Daily, you want to know what that truth is? It's simply this, three words. Jesus is better. Jesus is better. If I were to winnow down the, 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 the primary argument of Hebrews, and if I were to summarize what the author of Hebrews has tried to, been te- has tried to teach us over and over again throughout this book, it would be this. Jesus is better. Jesus is better than Moses, the great servant of God. He is a better mediator, a better deliverer than Moses. Moses could not climb Mount Sinai. He could not. He was scared himself. He could not do it himself. So he definitely could not do it for us or with us. He's better than Moses. And Jesus is also better than the old sacrificial system and priestly system under the old covenant. You have to sacrifice under the old covenant over and over and over and over again to atone for your sins. And Jesus said, I just need one. You give me one shot, one time, and I'm going to wipe your sins away. I'm going to cleanse you for all time. Jesus is better. And Jesus is also better than anything the world can offer. He's better than the highest of highs, and he's also better than than any temporary feel that a party or a night out can give us. He's better than anything this world could ever offer us. My worst day with Jesus is better than my best days without him. He is my everything, and without him, I have nothing. Jesus is better. He's better than any identity that I can concoct for myself. Ooh, that ain't popular in today's culture. But let me tell you this. If, let, let your identity be rooted in Jesus. You have all the affirmation, the acceptance that you will ever need. If your identity is firmly built 
in Jesus Christ. Jesus is better. That's the argument that Hebrews offers us. And that is what we can take to the bank every single time when we are faced with this decision. Who do I choose? What mountain do I climb? Do I go with myself or do I go with God? Do I go with my own desires or do I go with God? Do I go with my dreams or do I go with God's dreams for me? The sooner we realize and the, 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 the more we accept that we are not the author of our story, we are not the creator of our lives, we were not built to make these decisions. God was built for that. that is what, that's God's job, not our job. Jesus is better. And that's the argument. And that is why we have been called into Zion and not into Sinai. And I want you to notice with me the tone of this passage, right? Let's look at verse 18 real quick. Verse 18, I want, I want to focus on verse 18 and verse 22. I want you to imagine with me the preacher in Hebrews preaching to the house church and delivering this message. Look at what he said. He says, for you have not come, right? That, there's an emphasis there. He is saying that emphatically, for you have not come to Mount Sinai. You have not come to a blazing fire, to darkness, but, verse 22, you have come to Mount Zion. Can you imagine the applause in that house church? You have not come to Sinai. Thank you, Lord. But you have come to Mount Zion. That's good news, church. And that is what he's emphasizing here. And that's something that also the, the, the author of Hebrews emphasizes throughout Hebrews, right? He is constantly telling us that the old way and your old life is not better than the new way. And your new life, the old covenant, is not better than the new covenant. Why are you constantly trying to go backwards to the old way when the new way is so much better? Jesus is better. The new covenant is better. For you have not come to Mount Sinai, but you have come to Mount Zion. Thank you, Lord. And... Notice as he's just opposing these two mountains, he gives us two very stark images and he contrasts them against one another. Look at the images he gives on Mount Sinai. Blazing fire, darkness and gloom, a, a voice that is loud as a trumpet that the hearers cannot even bear to listen to it. They couldn't even endure it. Beasts would touch the mountain and they would be stoned. Moses, the great prophet, the great servant of God, was even terrified at this, right? Terrifying experience, gloomy experience. He paints the picture so deep. But then he gets to verse 22. Mount Zion and the city of the living God, right? So it's as if, as he's describing Mount Zion, is a festive 
atmosphere, right? There's a gathering and assembly of the firstborn who were enrolled into heaven, right? He's, he's, talking about the, he's talking about the mediator, the great Christ, the Savior, Jesus. So it's almost as if the, the, the blazing fire and the darkness fades away into Mount Zion. And we see here, whereas in Mount Sinai, they were terrified of God. Whereas in Mount, Mount Zion, they were welcomed by God. We see even the difference between the two mediators, Moses and Jesus. Moses trembled at the word of God, whereas Jesus reigns as king in the presence of God in Mount Zion. And I love how he says this too, right? I'm in verse 23. He says, into the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, you have come into this when you enter Mount Zion, right? I love this because this sort of harkens back to chapter 11. We talked talk about that hall of fame of faith. This is the communion of saints. And when you enter into Mount Zion, you are now also the firstborn of God because of the firstborn of the faith which is in Jesus Christ, right? He goes on to say, you've also come into God, the judge of all. I, I like this, church. Can I tell you why? Because we are so used to hearing God be the judge in a negative context. When we hear, when we hear God be the judge, it's usually in the Old Testament. It usually comes with punishment, wrath, vengeance. But here, God is also the judge in Mount Zion, right? So, which, which, which means that the character and identity of God, one, is not lost in Mount Zion. The God of the Old Testament is still the same, same in the God of the New Testament, same, same God, right? He is, he's the God of love, God of judgment in the Old Testament, God of love, God of judgment in the New Testament as well. And just because God is judge does not always mean it's going to be a negative judgment. Because in Zion, when God is judging us, it is a positive judgment. Because you have chosen to say yes to Jesus, because you have chosen to obey Jesus, you have been welcomed into Zion. My judgment of, of, of you is good. God's judgment also looks like, well done, my faithful servant. You have done well because you have chosen me. So when we think about God being a judge, it's not always negative. It's not always vengeful and wrathful. It's also very, very good. So I love how he attached that, that aspect of his identity also in Mount Zion. And he also says, to the spirit of the righteous made perfect. And this gets back to why Mount Sinai is the wrong mountain. We cannot be made perfect following the law. God tried it. Tried it. But our sin and our rebellion kept pushing us back and back and back again. So he had to intervene. He had to send a mediator. And that is how we're made perfect in the eyes of God. Jesus' blood his sacrifice makes us perfect 
And that is how we are able to enter into Zion. And he concludes talking about Mount Zion by talking about Jesus, who is the mediator of a new covenant, right? And this is fascinating, right? And to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. I was reading it this week, and I was like, this is really interesting. He compares Jesus' blood to Abel. As I was reading, I was like, okay, he's probably going to compare it to, like, animal sacrifices. It's better than, the, better than the blood of animals. But he chooses to go with Abel. And I'm like, okay, why? Why say Abel? And it's, it's actually a very good answer. So the, the words to focus on here to understand this is speaks a better word, right? His blood speaks a better word. So in the Old Testament, it's documented that when Adam and Eve had their children, it was Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel brought sacrifices unto God, right? God found favor in Abel's sacrifice. and didn't find, He did not find favor in Cain's sacrifice. And Cain did not take too lightly. Like, he didn't really like this judgment. He thought it was inherently unfair. And God went to Cain saying, like, yeah, man, you can be accepted, I will accept your sacrifice if you do the work, if you do it well, if you do it right. But be careful, and this is a powerful, powerful phrase, because sin is knocking at your door. And if you let it in, it's going to cause terror. Cain did not heed that warning. And what ended up happening is that in his jealousy, he killed his brother Abel. And the Bible says this. The Bible says that when he kills his brother Abel, Abel, God goes after Cain. It's like, where's your brother? Am I, my, am I my brother's keeper? And he was like, actually, I know what you've done because the blood of your brother cried out to me that you killed him. The blood of Abel has bore witness to what you've done. Now, what does this got to do with Jesus? Abel's blood bore witness to the guilt of Cain. Abel's blood said, Cain, you are guilty for your sin. Here's, here, watch Jesus. Jesus says, the blood that I've shed, the blood that I sacrificed for you cries out a different word. Uh, it cries out a word of not guilty. It cries out a word of forgiveness. It cries out a word of cleansing. Jesus' blood literally speaks a better word over us than Abel's blood. Abel's blood said guilty. Jesus' blood said not guilty. And I'm thankful for that word of Christ's blood. Fascinating comparison. I didn't see that one coming, but I love the word. Guilty, not guilty. Thank you, Lord. And as we come to verse 25, we get to the warning that is ushered in by the author of Hebrews. He says, see to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not, es for if they did not escape when they refused him, on earth much less 
will we escape if we reject him who warns us from heaven? It's basically saying, if Israel could not escape the judgment of God, and they were given this warning literally on earth, literally from a person's mouth, we will not, ex we will not escape because we have heard it from heaven. If they didn't escape from a word on earth, we won't escape from a word that comes from heaven. No one escapes the judgment of God. Take heed. And then he goes on to say, at the time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. So now it's harking back to God shook the earth one time, at Mount Sinai, and he's going to shake the earth again. He shook the earth the first time so that Israel could take him seriously, so that Israel could know that he meant serious business when he, when he wanted them to follow the law. He's going to do the same thing again, except this time the final judgment is going to shake everything. And this time at the end of the age, when he shakes the earth, things are going to pass away. The things of this world will pass away. The kingdoms of this world will pass away, except the kingdom of God. It says the things that can be shaken will pass away, but those things that can't be shaken will remain. The kingdom of God cannot be shaken. The kingdom of God can withstand the test of time, and it will not be shaken at the end of the day. And 28 says, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. I love this ending. Because I think when we hear warnings like this, warnings like get it right, heed God's command, or you won't make it at the end. When we hear warnings like if, 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 if you don't get your life right now, you might not make it into heaven. That usually provokes fear within us. We usually get kind of scared because we ask the question, am I good enough? Am I right enough? Have I done enough? Right? Like, have I been obedient enough? And this text in Hebrews, I would think throughout the entire book, is challenging that mentality. It's saying that it ain't about you when it comes to the end times. We are in a privileged position. Why? Because Jesus has done the work for us. So when it comes to the end times, it's not about what you've done. It's about what Christ has already done for you. And the only question is, did you follow Christ? Did you say to Christ, I want to follow you rather than self? 
I want to climb the mountain of God rather than the mountain of self. That's the decision. So it's not about our obedience. It's not about our work. It's about our yes. Did you say yes? Because your work is not good enough. We know that. Our work won't get it done. But Christ's work will. And that is why he says, when you come to this mountain, climb on my back, and I got us from here. I got you from here. Jesus is better. That is the enduring truth, not only in Hebrews, but throughout all of Scripture. And my prayer for us, church, is that that voice in our head, when we're just when we're so when we're wrestling with ourselves of whether to do of whether to follow Christ and dwell with Christ, my prayer is that that's that those three words resound in our consciousness. Jesus is better. When we feel tempted by the world, Jesus is better. When we feel like we, we, can't, we can't go on anymore, Jesus is better because Jesus will carry you. When we feel like the world has more to offer, I promise you, Jesus is better and can offer more. Let those three words resound in your conscience, in your mind. Jesus is better even on my Worst days with Christ is better than my best days without him. Paul says that I count all that I had as rubbish just to know Christ. Jesus is better. So the challenge for us this morning is to climb the right mountain. Don't climb the mountain of self-righteousness. Don't climb the mountain of, 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 of self-discovery. Don't climb this mountain of your dreams. Climb the mountain of God because when we climb the mountain of God, God's desires is our desires. We just might not know it yet. God's dreams are our dreams. We just don't know it yet. God's way is the right way for us, even if we haven't realized it yet. So it takes trust. Lord, I trust you. Even when I can't see it, Lord, I trust you. And this is not some blind faith, right? We've seen God do this for other saints in the past. We've seen God do this for others in the community. So we know that God is faithful. We know that God can do it. But will you trust? And when you find yourself doubting, remember, Jesus is what? Better. Jesus is better. And that is the enduring truth for us this morning. Verse 29 closes out by saying, for our God is a consuming fire. Basically, he closes out by saying that God is so otherworldly. God is so outside of this world that he will never, under 
any circumstance fall when the earth is going to be shaken. He is a consuming fire, right? A fire that, 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 this is harkens back obviously to the, to, to the Exodus and when God is talking to Moses. Moses entered into this place. He says, what? Take off your shoes, for this is holy ground. You see how that's pointing to Mount Zion? I love the Old Testament sometimes. God is a consuming fire, right? Which means that there's nothing in this world that can fade God's light. There's nothing in this world that can take God out, which means that we should have a firm assurance that if God says it, we can believe it. If God promised it, it will come to pass. Our God is a consuming fire greater than anything in this world. There's reason to trust because God is omnipotent, all-powerful, all-knowing. So there's no reason to stray away. There's no reason to go off the path. And the goodness of God is that even when we do stray away, he's still right there looking up at us on the mountain self. When you're ready to come back, I'm right here. When you're ready to come down and realize this mountain won't get you where you're going, I'm right here. And I'll walk us both over to the mountain of God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for all you've done for us. Thank you, Jesus, for the great sacrifice of your blood and of your death. God, we know that without you, we are nothing. I pray that we heed the word this morning. The old way is not better than the new way. The old covenant is not better than the new covenant. Mount Sinai is not better than Mount Zion. Our old life is not better than our new life. So God, never, so God, when we feel tempted to go astray, when we feel tempted to chase after things in the world. I pray for us that we say these words out loud if we need to. You are better. Jesus is better. And we thank you, God, for being so much better than everything else. Amen. We've come to a